0: You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, football stuff is starting to happen again, and that's great news for us because it gives us something to talk about and another. Thing that gives us something to talk about is Dennis Brown is back. He wasn't with us last week, had to tend to something, but uh, it's great to have Dennis back because uh, this is a show with three guys on it and the banter's always fun, so welcome back, Dennis.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me take that week. I had some pressing things uh, to kind of take care of there, so thank you. It's good to be back, and like you said, you know, football's back. Camp is started up over there in Santa Clara. Uh, excited about that. So um, let's get it going.
2: We've got some D-line news too, Dennis, uh, to yeah. talk about. I, I know that's, that you- that's
1: always the best news too. It's
0: always the best news, right. <laughs> The D-line news is the 49ers signing a former top five draft pick, which really is staggering when you look at the roster. They now, with this addition of Deion Jordan, who was the number three overall pick in 2013, the 49ers have three top five picks on their defensive line, but only one of those guys is a starter because two of those guys are... Deion Jordan, who's going to be, uh, you know, rotational depth, we'll talk about his fit in a bit. And the other one is is Solomon Thomas. So Nick Bosa is the starter. And then they have six total former first-round picks on the defensive line, which is even more than last year. Just staggering how much... You know, former draft capital is invested in that line, but not everybody's going to pan out and play at a first-round level, but the 49ers hope that more guys than not pan out and play at the, that first-round level. And, and if that's the case, Matt, then this defensive line is, is going to be really, really formidable again next year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're they're keeping it as well-stocked as they can, and, and we saw that uh, start to cause problems last year when they first lost Ronald Blair, and then his replacement... Demontre Moore broke his arm and and was lost for the season. You you saw that defensive line for a little while there start to to stagger. They weren't quite as powerful as they had been, but then uh, I think D Ford got healthier and they were back to their normal selves in in the playoffs, um, down the home stretch and in the playoffs. But I really think this Dion Jordan signing and it hasn't happened quite yet, recording this on Wednesday afternoon, but it looks uh, imminent. is is a good one. I mean. It's a depth pick for sure, but like I just said, you know, the 49ers learned last year that when you don't have that edge presence all the time, you can run into problems, and and D Ford's knee tendonitis issues are are well documented. So he's always sort of a, a question mark. He's indicated that he had a surgery in February, and he feels a lot better now than he did at this point last year but you know his uh, presence is always going to be a little bit fuzzy throughout a season because that's a chronic uh, issue. So Deion Jordan, he was a bit of a, a combine guy uh, coming out of the draft when he did, which is to say he was very athletic and sort of wowed people at that point. And that's one of the reasons why he hasn't quite made the splash in the NFL like people thought he might, but you know he's a fast guy, athletic guy coming off the edge. Dennis, I know he's an Oregon duck and You don't always love those Uh guys, but uh, what are your thoughts about uh, adding Deion Jordan to the edge of that defensive line?
1: Listen, you know, in, in NFL, I think the 49ers have proven that if you have a strong defensive line, you win a lot of football games, and they make a strong defensive line or strong defensive front makes everybody else's job a lot easier on the defense, and I think the 49ers have proved that, and they've proved it over the years. I can remember when I was playing. I was a second round pick. We had Dana Stubblefield, Brian Young, Ted Washington. Always in the first and the second round. So, you know, you spend your money, you invest your time in the defensive front, uh, and then you just hope guys pan out. I mean, this guy, he's he's a speed rusher. And you look at D Ford. I mean, you saw how it, how the pass rush kind of dropped off when D Ford wasn't on the field. It was kind of all up to Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. Did a fantastic job. But if you can have someone that can maybe spill or or, or spell a, a fort, give him some breaks, not have to rush to passer, or not have to be on the field for three downs or two downs, bring him in to be that Ferrari coming off the edge. That's fantastic. But this is a guy who's got some speed, like you said, he's got he's super athletic, and he's got some moves. He's got some some groove to him a little bit. So. And, he, and, he, and he's really fast. I mean, he's fast off the edge. And, you know, probably not as fast to get that edge or dip that shoulder like a D Ford or Nick Bosa. But I think he can be very, very productive uh, in this defensive line.
0: And even if he's not quite as fast, the guy's 6'6, 270. Let's, you he's know, stop. He's got long and, arms. Yeah, let, let's stop and appreciate the physical specimen the 49ers are dealing with. And th- that explains why Deion Jordan was drafted third overall back in 2013, you don't see guys that are 6'6", with that kind of speed, that kind of get-off. You know, that size-speed combination was top five worthy in the draft. Now, there's several reasons why he hasn't quite panned out and played at that level, uh, you know, for the duration of his career, the, the substance abuse issues, some injury issues, all this and all that. But, boy, that that size-speed dynamic is there. That potential is there. And one thing that I noticed when, you know, just kind of combing through Deion Jordan's career today is that in Seattle in 2017, he played five games for him that year. You know, that's a similar scheme to the 49ers, right? They like that speed rusher on the edge. So I think the 49ers saw his play in those five games when he first came over to Seattle that year, and they saw four sacks, which was a career high. And if you look at some of the more advanced metrics, like pass rushing productivity, which PFF puts out there, it measures the, the pressures and the hits, he led the NFL over that five-game stretch. So I'm not you know saying that Deion Jordan's going to come in and be the best pass rusher in the NFL, but you see a lot of knee-jerk reactions to this move online saying, oh, he's terrible. He was a bust. I mean, this guy is still six. He could still move. He's 30 years old. And in this same 49ers scheme with Seattle in 2017, he put together one monstrous month which shows that the guy can definitely flash. And I think if you put him on that field, you know, with a Nick Bosa, with a D40, you know, if he's rotating in with the interior that they have with Eric Armstead and and a, a guy like Javon Kinlaw, I think that you can anticipate this guy getting you six or seven sacks at least if he stays healthy and available And I think that's the way that the 49ers are looking at it. They're not looking at it as, oh, this has to be a top-edge guy coming in. This is just another complementary depth piece that has a ton of upside, Matt. Yeah, I
2: agree. And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when you're playing next to Eric Armstead and all the problems that Armstead creates, probably Javon Kinlaw will be next to him. And then on the other side, it'll be Bosa. That creates a lot of openings for you. The offense can't key in on you. And, and so, as Dennis was saying, that's where that speed, that's where that athleticism comes into play. I mean, they just stretched those offensive lines out so that everybody has bigger lanes in which to rush. You know, I think the fact that they're signing him, that that he passed the physical, or at least their their initial look at him is a good sign that he's going to make the the final squad. They'll probably keep 10 defensive linemen altogether, just like they did last year. But they, they have eight up on, on Game days, and the question would then be: Okay, is Deion Jordan going to be one of those eight guys who who are up? And my guess is that he would be. It might be dependent on the opponent. You know, you know more pass happy opponents, you'll have more of your your nickel personnel groups in, and, and Deion Jordan would be in that. But I mean, you you also have uh, Ronald Blair who's coming back from from an ACL and some other issues at defense end, so. I think that's that's exactly why this team made the move. I mean, they want to be well stocked there. They do have a couple of guys coming back from injuries to start training camp, and yeah, I think it's a uh, sort of a, a smart no-brainer move for a team, as as Dennis said. Really relies on that defensive line to set the tone for the rest of the defense.
1: You said it. I mean, when you you have a guy that can line up next to an Armstead, and we'll see how Kinlaw pans out, and you got Bosa on the other side. You know, you've got, you've got offenses that are, you know, they're, they're setting their game plan to defend uh, Armstead and a Nick Bosa. Uh, and if you can get out there, you can get one-on-one, get some isolation. And what I've seen on him on tape, he's got some quick hands and he's got those long arms. And if he can get some one-on-one isolations, uh, he can put some pressure on the quarterback and get some sacks. So I like the move. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's, he's had a couple opportunities to play in the NFL and it's all about, you know, the next opportunity. And he's past the physical. That means uh, the 49ers like what they see. And they see that he can add to this team. So I'm excited to see how he works out.
0: Some fans are wondering why the 49ers didn't sign uh, Ziggy Ansah, who they also brought into the building. Or why did they, they didn't re-sign DeMontre Moore, who played so well for them. In two games last year, before he broke his forearm, I think I could answer the Ansa question. I think you know you you get on Twitter and social media. A lot of people will Google a guy and they see a couple double-digit sack seasons from from a few years ago, and they they automatically think he's still that player. That's why fans wanted Ansa so bad. But but this guy's been hurt. He hasn't played a full season since 2015, and I think he played all of last year, hurt for the Seattle Seahawks. And, and when you look at the numbers, Ansa's numbers weren't, weren't even near what Deion Jordan's numbers were with the Raiders last year. So I think th- that explains that one. But, Matt, uh, DeMontre Moore, this seems to be a guy that, that is constantly getting the short end of the stick, maybe getting unlucky. He played so well in the preseason last year for the 49ers, yet uh, th- that final defensive line roster spot went to Contavious Street instead of him. And then DeMontre Moore was still around when the 49ers needed an edge rusher late in the year. Maybe mid-season around that Packers game, right? Uh, so they bring him in. He, he makes a huge play against the Cardinals. Has a big game against the Packers. Uh, it really fills in well for for D Ford, but then he gets hurt so we don't see any more of him, but Moore's numbers were awesome in those two games. He made a huge impact, yet the 49ers uh, did not bring him back. They brought back Deion Jordan instead. I personally think this is a huge upside play for the 49ers. You're bringing in a former top five draft pick who's 6'6", who can run the way that Dennis says he can run. I think that the upside here is probably higher than when DeMontre Moore, but boy, uh, if you're Moore, you can't seem to catch a break, even though he he did everything that that he could in that short action of the Forty ers last year.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think we've seen the last of Demontre Moore. He was the first guy that they brought in, you know, before they brought in Ansa, before they brought in Jordan, uh, and it didn't work out. And I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe that he didn't pass his physical. There could be a lot of different reasons, but I don't think the uh, the book is closed on De- Demontre Moore at all. Uh, I think there's a reason why he was the first guy that uh that the team looked at when they realized, you know what, we're a little bit light at uh at defensive end. And um he was also available, you know, off the street uh at at mid Um I forget exactly when Ronald Blair's injury occurred. I think it was week 10. So, you know, we're talking yeah. yeah, November with that injury and he was still there. So, I I I think there's some assurance by the 49ers that um, if they needed to get another defensive end, they could do so, and, and, and they may do so uh, in a month before the season begins. Uh, so they, they've kept the lines of communication open with DeMontre Moore and his agent, um, and uh, that could be a possibility. DeMontre Moore, I mean, you, you talked to him last year. He loved being around that team. It was good for him. Um, he's gotten in some trouble in his career. He He's straightened things out. Uh, and I think the same is, is true for Deion Jordan. Um, you know, struggled with, with alcohol early in his career. Um, he's been sober for the last, um, you know, three and a half, four years. So these are guys that, you know, they're, they're, the 49ers are taking a risk. It's a low risk, but, um, you know, the, the idea is that, uh, they've, they've turned a corner in their lives and, uh, they and the 49ers can benefit from that relationship. But, uh, Dennis, I know that you uh, enjoyed watching DeMontre Moore in a very limited uh, time last season. Uh, he was also good in the preseason. W- what are your thoughts about possibly adding him as sort of a, a, a boost for this team later in the season?
1: I like this kid. You know, just watching him the way he played uh, in the preseason and and then when he had his opportunities to get on the field during the regular season, I like him. I mean, he, he's a guy, he's one of those guys, there's always a guy on the football team or in the NFL and in every team. That just kind of misses the cut. Every good player, but the numbers always catch up, and and he's the one that all. He's always the one that's like on the edge of the bubble. Uh, A a good player, then he gets booted off, and then he has to go to another team. He signs. He kind of bounces around. But I spent some time talking talking to him, and he's one of those guys. He's just positive. He's just like, hey, whatever opportunity I get. I'm going to take advantage of it. And I think the 49ers understand that he's a guy that has a great attitude. Uh, he's a guy that if he's if he's not signed with the team, uh, he knows the system. He knows the culture of the 49ers. They can always kind of call him. You know, it's kind of sad that his career is like that. Like you kind of have to wait for a call. You you have no, you know, stability in your career. But he's a guy, he's got a great person. He's got a great attitude. and And he's He's a hard worker, and I think that goes a long way in the NFL. But he's just one of those guys that he's always on the bubble. He's always that guy that's a good worker. He's a producer. He's a hard worker. He understands schemes and plays. He plays hard. He plays tough. Uh, and then the numbers kind of get him in the end. So I hope you know they keep keep him in the Rolodex because uh, we know defensive line, at, You know the last couple of years, the 49ers have had a lot of injuries at defensive line, and he's a guy that you can always call back, and you know he's going to come back and give you all he's got.
0: Hey, and maybe the silver lining of this wild situation that we have on our hands this year is that guys like Montre Moore who are constantly on that bubble, maybe they get more opportunities, the opportunities this season because, uh, I mean, you just look at the numbers, right? You just look at... The fact that uh, these teams probably will be having some positive tests this year and they'll need, uh, you know, good players to fill in in a pinch for a couple weeks. And guys like Demontre Moore, that's literally what he did last year. He filled in for two weeks for the 49ers. Would have filled in for longer, but he broke his forearm against the Packers and that was his best game. So um, as you guys said, the book is by no means closed on Demontre Moore, nor is it closed on anybody as we have all of these roster discussions, we need to keep in mind that this season, more than ever, they're going to be very fluid. And depth at the margins is going to be very important to be had. And that's something the 49ers did a great job last year, thanks to guys like the Montre more. And we'll see how they do this year. I mean, some of the uh, machinations have already started, guys. The team you know, has been going through COVID testing at training camp, and now they're starting to work into things physically. At some point next week, we expect them to be out on the practice field, and we hope to also be able to check out the team at practice in person for the first time in you know months next week. So this is all starting to build up, and with that, uh, you know the, the the roster machinations have had to start to build up. You, you look at. Um, The fact that uh, it's only going to be 80 uh, guys this year throughout training camp, that means the 49ers have already had to make uh, a a riskier, tougher decision that has blown up a little bit. You look at DJ Reed, who tore his pectoral muscle away from the team facility this offseason, Matt. So he, he comes back, 49ers dealing with only 80 roster spots instead of the usual 90. They had to waive DJ Reed with an NFI designation that means non-football injury. They couldn't just put him on the physically unable to perform list because he was hurt away from the facility. And and they didn't want him to take up one of those 80 roster spots. So they waived him. The risk there was that another team would pick him up before they can put him on injured reserve at the start of the regular season. And, well that risk ended up coming to fruition. The Seattle Seahawks picked up D.J. Reed, So 49ers have already lost a player who I think a lot of people probably didn't expect they would lose this early in the 2019 process or the 2020 process.
2: Yeah, and he's one of these these John Lynch fifth-rounders that always seem to pan out so well. Um, And and he's one of these guys that, um, you know, he's he's a little-known guy, but he does a lot on the 49ers, and that's why he's been valuable to them. He's um, a, you know, a core special teamer. You see him out there as the gunner a lot of times. He even returns kicks sometimes. Um, he's, uh, he's a firecracker. He's, he's a small guy, but he's really pugnacious. I mean, he likes to hit. And so they played him at, uh, at free safety. He started there as a rookie. Um, his best spot is probably as a nickel cornerback. And I, I've always wondered whether, you know, if the 49ers couldn't get a deal done with Kwan Williams, and I know they want to, but if if he somehow, um, uh, you know, went elsewhere in free agency in March, whether DJ Reed would be his replacement at nickel cornerback, and I think the 49ers would have been okay with that because um, he is such a a, a good uh, nickel guy. But now he's gone, so yeah, you're right. I mean, these these are the things that you have to kind of take into consideration, and I think it leaves them pretty thin at, at safety. It's so funny that this, uh, this team, the personnel department, is led by a, a former possibly Hall of Fame safety in John Lynch, and he really has done very little at that position uh, in the draft, in free agency, etc. I mean, they've got uh, four guys who have uh, played games there, um, Jimmy Ward, Jaquaski Tart. Marcel Harris and Tarvarius Moore, and they've got one undrafted rookie in uh, Jared Maiden but but that's it, and and that's that's pretty thin for an off-season roster, especially when you know Tard has had injury issues and Ward has had injury issues that are, are well documented. So if, if you're looking at spots that are a wee bit thin here, as they start to you know inch closer to the practice portion of training camp, that would be the the first one I'd say, and then. Uh, They don't have a lot of uh, receivers, healthy receivers right now either. I think they've got eight healthy guys. Uh, They usually like to have a lot more than that because those are the guys that are, you know, sprinting downfield every play. You need to keep those guys fresh. But uh, Dennis, what are your thoughts on uh, safety, on DJ Reed, anything uh, you want to add to that?
1: It's interesting, like you said, like John Lynch was such a great defensive player, defensive back, free safety, strong safety. And, you know, he seems like he doesn't, he seems like he has an eye for a lot of other positions. And it's kind of like John Elway trying to figure out his quarterback situation. He just, he hasn't really found that guy that, you know, I guess it's tough to kind of evaluate your own position that you're great at. But, you know, the secondary has been, you know, that big question mark for the last couple seasons. Now you have a strong defensive line. The the stress is not on that secondary as much as it used to be. But, yeah, very thin. And DJ Reed was a guy, he's a thumper. He was a thumper. And he could play uh, a lot of different positions. So, it's interesting to see who's in camp. I don't know if we can ever get down there and see it. But it's going to be interesting to see who you have in camp. And DJ Reed was one of those you know, needles in that, in a haystack, that he was a, a fifth-round guy, and he's guy that came in. He's played a lot of snaps. He's got some reps. Uh, and then you lose him to the to the Seahawks. And it's and it's not a coincidence that, you know, the Seahawks and the 49ers, they all kind of switch out players because you want to get in these guys' heads, and, you know, maybe you'll get something, you know, a little edge when it comes to uh, playing against their previous team. So it's just super interesting to me how that position's always under question, And it hasn't really been solved yet.
0: I I do wonder how much of this from the Seahawks perspective is for intelligence or espionage purposes because (laughs) they're taking up a roster spot now for a guy with a torn pectoral muscle. He's not going to be back till November, December at the soonest. And that's, you know, the 49ers couldn't afford that. They said, hey. There's only 80 roster spots. We need to be as productive as possible during training camp. We can't have this guy taking one up, so we're going to waive him. And, you know, I think at the back of their minds, they probably thought that other teams would feel the same way, right? They probably thought that, yeah, the Seahawks, that they won't claim him because they can't take up a roster spot for this guy just like we can't afford to do so. But the Seahawks obviously found it to be worth it. So maybe they're going to bring DJ Reed in and see if he can tell him a little something, right? Is that something that, that, that happened in the league, Dennis, when, uh, you know, you picked up another guy.
1: Well, so, you know, since the 49ers is my only reference to the NFL and team I played for, but when guys came in, I mean, other guys from other teams came in, you kind of wanted to quiz them, you know, what are the, I mean, if you're a defensive lineman, what are the offensive lineman's calls? What are their blocking calls? So, there is a lot of intel you can get from guys coming over teams, especially, you know, teams that you play twice a year, you know, in your division. I mean, you can get a lot of intel from guys that are coming over. So, you know, it, it, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the way the league is. That's the way it works out. Now, my question, David and Matthew, I know we can't go long on this one like we usually do, but I'm really wondering what the NFL is going to kind of do as far as the covid-19 you know basketball has done a really great job baseball not such a good job i think hockey's done a really good job what are the what are the ideas behind you know the nfl and how they're going to protect the players
2: it all boils down to testing 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 i mean they're t- testing these guys every day uh right now the 49ers don't have anybody any players we don't really know about the staff but no players on the on the covid reserve list that means that Everybody is testing negatively at this point. Um, so, I mean, that that itself is good. I think um, league-wide, uh, the, the percentage of players testing positive has been uh, around three percent, and their baseline w- was five percent. They wanted to get it under five percent. So, in, in that regard, um, you know, they're, everything's going according to plan so far. Of course, as we saw in Major League Baseball with the Marlins and whatnot. It doesn't take very much to, you know, ruin that number uh, and for a team to get COVID in the building and then possibly s- uh, spread it to, to other teams as well. So, I mean, it, it's, it's all about really to me, it's all about human behavior. I mean, can these guys, um, you know, when they're away from the facility a- at the facility, it seems like they're doing everything right or as much as they can do on a football team question is, you know, away from this facility. And uh, we talked to Raheem Mostert today, and Raheem has a one-year-old son at home. Uh, He's got another on the way. His wife is in Cleveland, and um, he's basically isolating himself from his family. I mean, people he, you know, desperately wants to be around uh, because of the fear of that. So you've got some guys who are taking it very, very seriously, and we don't have any evidence of guys who aren't, but uh, that's the question. I mean, can... The guys who are taking it seriously impress upon the others the severity of the issue, and uh, <laughs> that's that's the big question going into the season.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I think regardless of what players do, how they behave, there's going to be some sense of positive tests happening anyway. I, I think that. The, uh, the maximum amount of precautions can be taken everywhere but at the end of these at the end of, at the end of the day these guys are not playing in a bubble like the NBA and and the and the NHL so i think you will see some positive tests seep in regardless of what happens and and when that does happen it's going to be important to catch it quick which is why the NFL is doing uh, this this daily testing right now, and then B, it's going to be important to have that depth available to be able to replace a guy who might be shelved for two plus weeks because of this. So it really just changes uh, the nature of how you know to manage a roster. And Richard Sherman, I think, said it best. He said, "The team that adapts the best this year." Is going to be the team holding the trophy at the end of the season. It just comes down to that. You you can, uh, you know, take every single precaution, but the end at the end of the day, you're still going to have to be a team that can adapt better than your competition. So precautions and adaptation, I think. Those are the two big things. Guys, we almost forgot to talk about another notable pickup for the 49ers uh, this week, and uh, I think this one, uh, it's funny, they both have Jordan at some point in their names. Jordan Reed, the tight end. Dion Jordan we covered on the defensive side, but Jordan Reed on the, off-se- off- on the offensive side, a guy who has familiarity with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, it was the Shanahans who drafted him in 2013 to Washington. I mean, this is – you know, or this was one of the game's top tight ends for a three or four year period before he started running into some hamstring and then concussion issues. The 49ers are, you know, taking a little bit of a risk here, but not too big of one because it's an incentive laden deal, Matt. But they think that if all goes well, they can get
2: top-tier play again from Jordan Reed and pair him with George Kittle. Yeah, and if Jordan Reed is healthy for a season and and he's paired with George Kittle, the 49ers have, bar none, the best tight end combo in the league. And and two guys that really mesh well with Jimmy Garoppolo, too, writing about the run after catch and how you know Garoppolo's uh, release and accuracy are perfect for that. Well, Jordan Reed's in the same mold as Kittle in that regard. He's fast, he's fluid, he's agile. All that stuff. So the big question for that pass game is: Can they overcome the loss of Emmanuel Sanders and you know possible early season loss of Debo Samuel? And you know the answer is that guys like Reed and Kittle and, and Jarek McKinnon and Trent Taylor and, and Jalen Hurd. These guys all excel at sort of the same. They have the same strengths and they mesh with Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths. So. Uh, if everything is, you know, going smoothly, it's a, a real, real nice addition for them. Dennis, what are your thoughts about Jordan being added to the tight end ranks?
1: I think when you have a guy like a George Kittle and you're able to bring anything on the other side of him, you can run some two tight sets, uh, maybe get some isolation on one side of the field. Um, it's a good thing. I think Jordan Reed's that guy, like you said, he's he's one of those big dudes. The big thing with him that concerns me is his concussions. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that, you know, he's going to take on. He's kind of like a George Kittle. He's going to take on some of those big hits, and he's already had a few concussions. Um, but if you look at him on paper and you look at, uh, you know, early coming into the NFL, I mean, he was a guy that went to the Pro Bowl once. I mean, he's a top-tier tight end, but he's had a lot of injuries, and I think a lot of injuries are because he's taken on a lot of these big hits. But he's very familiar with Kyle Shanahan and his offense, uh, and he's a guy that if you can get him in to these tight ends, like you said, Matthew, he's probably have the best combination in NFL. And Jimmy Garoppolo, the way he throws the ball, his release, it'll work out really well. But he's a guy that's had a lot of concussions. Concussions are one of those things on the NFL. We know if you get too many of them, you're, gonna, you're not going to play much football. So he's a guy that has to learn how to, you know, maybe not take some of those hits. Uh, avoid some of these big, big hits. But uh, the concussions kind of concern me.
0: Seven documented concussions between college at Florida and then his time in the NFL with Washington. That being said, you know, I think it's a similar hope as the one that the 49ers have for Deion Jordan. Uh, Jordan Reed's is not going to be the featured guy in the offense, just like Deion Jordan is not going to be the featured edge rusher. But when you combine him and mix him in with a ton of other weapons, or distracting, you know, attention from the opposition, maybe he can slip in there and really regain that productivity and avoid some of those hits that you're talking about, Dennis. Because uh, he's not going to be the number one guy. That's George Kittle. That might be Brandon Ayuk. You know, uh, Trent Taylor might get a ton of uh, balls this season because if the 49ers are running that patriots style offense, they're going to be really focusing on the slot, and then boom, you have Jordan Reed as a counterbalance when the defense really isn't paying full attention to him. I think that's the goal here, to have a multiple offense where the 49ers have so many different threats. You look at the New England two-tight end model with Gronkowski, and Hernandez. Well, now they got Kittle. Now they have Jordan Reed. We'll see what else they can get, and they can run out of those formations too. They have a bunch of big guys who can block. Raheem Mostert, I know, was really excited about that today when he said that the 49ers were i um, going to waltz in and uh, win the Super Bowl this year. He was very confident <laughs> when we talked to him. And and I'm sure that we'll hear more confidence from players this the, over this next week that we can talk about next time because it does seem that the 49ers do have that positive vibe back in the building. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Over training camp as this team forges through – some unprecedented challenges but so far so good for the 49ers through a few days anyway for Dennis Brown and Matt Barrows this is David Lombardi we'll be coming back to you on a weekly basis now so be sure to check us out next time on the here's the catch podcast